The maneuvers in this video are being performed by professional bodyboarders. It would be dangerous to attempt to duplicate these maneuvers without first developing the expertise. Look at this, Mike doing an enormous wave of the pipeline, big hard cut at the bottom, over the top, oh my! Jay Wheels, it doesn't get any better than that. Stand by for Vintage Bodyboarding Radio. Welcome everyone to the first podcast of the Vintage Bodyboard Collectors podcast, radio show, I guess, whatever we're going to call it, not quite sure yet. I'm Damien um, from VBC. I've got with me today, Mr. Matt 7SS. How you going, Matt? Hello. Good yourself? Good, buddy. Good, not too bad. Grant the Dominator. <laughs> Are you there, Grant? Dominator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure, uh, I'm doing well, mate. Good, good. Uh, Dave, uh, Mr. Riptide. Dave, how are you? Good, thanks, Damien. How are you? Good, not too bad. And we got finally we got Boogeyman Shane. How are you, mate? How are you going? Good, I'm not too good, bad. Thanks. Welcome to our um our, our first uh, podcast. So hopefully one of many to come. Um, following our little chat today, we're going to throw to an interview that myself and Dave Castle did uh, with Mike Stewart when Mike was in Australia. But I just wanted to introduce some of you guys and have a bit of a chat before we do that. So um, everyone who's talk talking today, we're all part of obviously the VBC page, um, but most importantly, who's been getting waves lately? Me. I got them this morning. Where, who, who got them this morning? Me, Grant, the Dominator. The Dominator. The dominator. <laughs> I went out, went out summer this morning. Yeah, Greg Gary. Um, yeah, went out to Tamarama this morning. The banks were shit house, but got a couple of screamers. It was about three or four foot nice. and perfectly offshore, so it was pretty much worthwhile. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I had a look at some waves today, but I didn't get a chance to get out. I had a little fella with me, so Old Bar, just south of Old Bar, was breaking. Oh, it was probably anywhere, but three to five feet. Yeah, nice. Offshore. Mm -hmm. Heap of stand, heap of stand out there, and heap of paddle boards, but everything else was good. I couldn't get out there. Damn kids. Is that shark still coming yeah. in and out, Shane? What's that, sorry? Is the shark still coming in and out of Old Bar? That great white? It's been a bit quiet, been a bit quiet at the moment, I think, because all the whales have sort of passed through. So we've been good at the moment. Cool. I haven't had any alerts for a week or two. Cool. Very good. Um, so a couple of things I just want to have a chat to you guys about. Um, the membership packs, so the VBC membership packs have obviously been going out. The last lot of um, packs are hitting out, heading out this week and next week, so including the international ones. So have you guys got your packs yet? No, I haven't. So, Matt, you yeah, haven't no, got yours yet? yet? No, no. Might be a bit slow in Cornell, though, you know. Yeah, fair fishing enough. village. So who got what numbers? I don't even know my number. <laughs> I got 13. Yeah, okay. Lucky 13. Good Very work. happy with that one. Yeah, yeah. lucky 13. All right. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool. And so, Dave, um, what's the other thing I need to ask is what's been happening in the world of um, Ripside? What's going on with Ripley? Um, yeah. Well, everyone probably would have seen that we've, uh, we haven't we uh, have sort of had a print mag for a while. Um, I think it's probably no secret that uh, everything's sort of been on a bit of a downturn for the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, we were certainly spared no, uh, we, were, we were spared no exception to that um, with sort of what, what, what happened in the industry. So um, we're just chugging along. Um, we're, we're sort of kicking over um, social media stuff like really briefly a couple of posts a week sort of thing just to keep things ticking while um, we wait for the uh, things to, to turn around a bit. I've been uh, in, in talks with the industry guys um, quite a bit sort of over the past six months and they're starting to recover now, uh, which is nice. So there's still a little bit to play out with, um, you know, a couple of the, the big brands still holding a fair bit of stock um, from the last couple of years that they still need to get out the door. But you know, there's been a few brands changing hands um, in the last couple of years, and 
So things are, yeah, things are starting to settle down. Everyone's getting um, back on track. And I think, yeah, we're hopefully sort of looking to next year to maybe sort of get back into gear. What we do with print, I'm not too sure yet. You know, it's something that's very close to my heart. So I definitely want to see what we can do. Um, but other than that, look, we, you know, we're, we're open to ideas about, about what we can do for, for the industry. You know, we've, we've, it's always been about, about everybody um, all bodyboarders, you know, Riptide's sort of been that, that sort of, I guess, steady voice throughout, um, you know, the past 30 years for bodyboarding, and we want to continue to do that. So, yeah, I'm just, um, you know, keeping things on running on the smell of an oily rag at the moment and um, seeing where it goes. But, yeah, hopefully that gives every all the uh, the listeners some insight into what we've uh, we've been doing and where we want to head next year. So, yeah, thanks, Damien. Oh, that's cool, man. It's um, such a widely known brand and magazine it's you know we i think that the industry although it's a lot smaller than what it was back in the heyday the industry is still behind it and behind riptide so it's good that it's still um there and it's ticking over no matter what shape or form that it's in so yeah good work mate and um as i think i've said to you before anything we can do to support that that area um mate i'd love to see it see it come back to in its, in its full glory but i think print in general, it's pretty tough to get into or, or keep going anyway, as it is. So, so yeah. Hey, you know, yeah, hey, I mean, yeah. Hey, Dave, can I ask a question about it? Yeah, mate. Um, so Matt here. Just wanted to know, like, is there enough room to do one or two magazines, possibly? Um, look, potentially. Um the hard thing is is finding uh, like a sustainable model. I think um, you know even to do one mag, you, you straight away looking at a, a fairly big outlay. And unless there's a, a really sustainable business model built behind that, to do even one or two a year, it, it makes actually less sense economically to do that than to do six or seven. Um, and that's what we found when we went from doing initially twelve issues a year back to six, and then back to four. Yeah, we were just trying to stay stay afloat, and um, we found that even going to four issues a year um, was actually more difficult than doing six, just with the economies of scale around printing, how many copies we needed, um, you know, to go to the distributors, and, and all of that sort of stuff. So the price per issue just goes through the roof when you when you start cutting back to one or two. It's not out of the question. I mean, you know, we've seen movement come in and do. You know, one issue last year, and I think they're on track to do another issue for the end of this year. So that's great. Looking if you know it can work for them. You know, then there's a potential there that it can work for us too. Um, we sort of went through. You know, we tried to keep chugging along uh, when everyone else had fallen by the wayside, and we probably went on for maybe a little bit too long. Um, you know, but that was just part of my passion to to sort of keep doing it for as long as I could before sort of shit really hit the fan. Um, and then, yeah, so, look, I mean, there's, there's signs out there, then, and, and if the support's there, you know, if we can rumble up the support to sell, you know, a couple thousand copies, it's definitely viable. Um, but, you know, and I'm talking to Damien pretty regularly about sort of the, the support that he's got from, um, you know, through the membership packs and, and what else is out there with, with happening in, with the, um, you know, the board shops with the Inverted and Bodyboard King and talking to Toby and Ben pretty closely as well and just gauging the market. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. You know, one or two issues a year, it's not out of the question. We'll, we'll see what happens yeah, next cool. year. Excellent. Is, is sponsorship, awesome. um, you know, advertising and, and, and sponsorship as part of that, is that one of the one of the problems behind it? I mean, it might sound like a silly question. I think that it probably is, but... Is, is that one of the biggest challenges now, that getting that, that, that money and that sponsorship for, for ads and so forth to keep it going? Yeah, I mean, without a question, like, it's, you know, that's the thing that keeps the mag running. Um, and when, every, when all the changes were happening and people were pulling out left, right and centre, it made it very difficult, I think. Uh, when the mag was at its strongest, there was probably, a, you know, a quarter of the brands that there were now actually putting money into it. But they were strong because, you know, they held a greater market share, they could you know, do more with their, with their bang for their buck. And also we had brands, you know, we had Rip Curl, Quicksilver, Billabong, um, O'Neill, uh, God, like most of the surf brands were in it as well. So that obviously helped, you know, they were, and for their budgets, it was a, it was a tiny slice, but for bodyboarding it meant everything. Um, when those brands pulled out, those sort of the late 2000s, uh, early 2010s, made it very, very difficult. Um, and it was kind of left up to the, the board brands themselves. 
Um, and and that's, that's a hard place to be in because hardware doesn't have the same margins that apparel does. Um, but unfortunately, in bodyboarding, as everyone's aware, there's no apparel brands. You know, Grand Flavor and uh, Unite did their best, um, but even those yeah. guys don't have the scale that um, was needed to really, really keep any kind of media afloat. So, you know, the guys that are doing the best, you know, putting it back into competitions, um, Benny from Inverted sponsoring a lot of the comp stuff through the ABA and the IBA. Um, and so is, so is um, Toby at, at um, Bodybooking. And that's where the money needs to be, to be honest. Um, look, media is a, a bit of a luxury um, at times, and especially when you're in an industry like ours where it's so small. You know, it's, it's much better to have any sponsorship dollars going back into the comps and supporting the riders um, and, and giving the Grommies um, something to aim at, um, you know, rather than just going into magazines. And, you know, it's a bit of an ego hit, really, uh, for the riders, you know, getting their face on a, on a cover and we all love it and we all love to read it um, but it is a bit of a luxury so we'll see, see where things go with the industry and um, you know if we can make it into a bit of a more of a, a reader supported model um, it would be good but it would, would mean cover prices would go through the roof unfortunately so um, we know bodyboarders um, sort of cringe a bit when things start to get above you know 20 bucks a mag um, as we, we sort of seen back in the day when movement were at that price I think they've come back now but um yeah, look, you know, we'll continue to do our market research and um, and see what happens. And hopefully, look, if someone, you know, some of these board companies, like, you know, consolidate or something happens with the industry, which means that there's a bit more um, chunk to play with money-wise for, for marketing and, uh, and media, then we'll be first there um, knowing, talking to those guys and seeing what happens. So Yeah, cool. One of the um, topics which we, we won't talk about today, but... I'm super soon to, to uh, super keen to to discuss later is um, sort of the status of the industry and what what we want. So not just what I want and you want, Dave, but what we and guys on VBC what we want to see the industry because there's an argument for it to get bigger. There's an argument for keep it the way it is and keep it underground. And but anyway, that's that's a topic for another time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's longer than fifteen minutes. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. The big one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, and just to finally, before we we throw out to that to the to the um, interview that we did with Mike, um, just a couple of things I just wanted to um, have a chat to you guys about was the, what's been happening on VBC in the last few weeks or so. So I don't know if you guys saw that post from um, Tamiga posted. So Jordan Seller did a did a. Um, Review. He's been doing a couple of board reviews, which is in. Yeah, in Jordan, Jordan's great, mate. He's awesome. Yeah, we're very lucky to have him on. Oh, big day. time! Got to get him on the podcast too. So, and then Tamika was talking about how he's going to um, looking at doing some new boards. So, um, you know, as boards in the old style, so new old boards, so the older style, for, more for you know the older guys, a bit more flotations, which I just thought was awesome. Yeah, I like him too. I'm not. I'm not a big bloke. Um, tall, but not thick. But um, I still like the thick boards. Like they just feel um, so good. They're just different, and I don't like them quite as stiff. Like they're all like double stringer, triple stringer sort of stuff. Yeah. I'm just happy with the old sort of school. You know, like the, just the mesh only does me because I'm such a light frame. But I like the thick. Uh, you know, the semi thirty and the Bit of uh, rails and the. Yeah, and, and that location is really good. I love it too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, I was, I was, couldn't believe it that Tamiga was posting and going into so much detail about what he's get doing, which is just, just awesome. But yeah, I'm with you, Matt. I like the older style personally. I'm not going to be doing anything in the air in a hurry. <laughs> so yeah, and and, and also you noticed uh, when Mike was here, he had the um, he brought over that new demo board, yeah. uh, the classic. And that's like that's probably as a result of your um, idea of this VBC, you know, um, movement that we have going. So, you know, those two guys are you know right at the top of our sport and have been for a long time, and um, they're just you know they're just um, they're just seeing what we're doing on the page, and and, and all the members are just um, so excited about it all. Yeah, that's there's, um, <coughs> there's actually have you noticed there's actually a few going. brands now. There's a yeah, few of the. Um, yeah, the brands are jumping on board. I know there was a lot of discussion the other day. The, the comments sort of got deleted a bit more, eh? but there was um, talk there that they want to bring out another classic-style board, and then Bullet's doing one as well. Yeah, yeah Bullet. 
he's with um, Delph that we've got. Um, Quigley's put a few posts up. We've had um, Basic, uh, Redders Basic, um, a lot of guys yeah. copying the old school boards and putting them up. And it, it all looks pretty wicked, hey? That, um, and the line down at like the stripe, like the uh, BZ tie-dye stripe down the uh, left side of the deck. Yeah. Uh, I think I saw something like That's that shit. redone. Yeah, there's a few things coming out of the states, which are, it's coming out in the not too distant future as well. So, yeah, no. Yeah, cool. Good there's, stuff. There's, at the moment, and the last few, um, the last couple of years, there's a, a brand over in Europe. Um, I'm sure, so, I'm sure somebody will get up. I can't, not on the top of my uh, tip of my tongue at the moment, but there's a one over there. They do uh, like the retro style. It looks just like the BZ. They've got the, um, the yellow deck, bright pink whales. Um, they've got um, the stripe down the side. It looks just like the BZ. Um, oh god, I can't remember. And there's another one that looks. Uh, they do like the like the turbo, the um, MS turbo, the original colours, the royal blue, red nose, red and yellow rails. Is they this do something all the that was, the same. Is this something that was floating around a while ago, or is this something new? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. This is a few years old. This is before yeah, I, I know um, our, our page was. They they stopped doing them. I think it was Mexico or Spain where they were coming from. Yeah, they they had to they they stopped doing them. They they um I don't know if it was copyright issues or what it was, but yeah, yeah they Maybe. they're not doing them anymore. Oh, the French. I think it was the French bodyboard. Was it? Were, yeah. Uh, something. Yeah, yeah. Could be wrong, but yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. All right, guys. Well, I'll look, find something I'll post today. Eh? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Look. I'll, I'm going to wrap it up. So thanks, thanks for joining for the first one. Really appreciate everyone joining. And then, um, as I said, hopefully we'll have many more. And and um, yeah, we'll we'll throw it over to the interview with Mike, and uh, we'll catch you next time. I'd like to welcome Mike Stewart. Mike, welcome to our first ever Vintage Bodyboard Collectors podcast. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on here. Thanks for being here. We've also got Dave Castle, so so Dave and and myself, Damien Alexander. We we run the VBC Facebook page, so it's a total yep. privilege and honour to have you, have you on. So, as a way of introduction, not that you really need it. So, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, if I've got it wrong here. So you've won pipe eleven times, world title nine times, pipe body body surfing classic fifteen times. You've also had the title of Mr. Pipeline for being the best wave rider of any kind. Pioneered um, Chowpoo. Uh, and really, you've been in a unique position to be part of the sport from its inception still through to current today and still competing. And I know you're a really humble guy, so you tend not to talk too much, too much about yourself and all your achievements. But um, did I miss anything there, Mike? Did that sound about right? Yeah, that's that's pretty close. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, I guess it's pretty accurate. Uh, there's, you know, things in regards to Tahiti. Uh, I probably wasn't the first guy to surf that way, but um, uh, might have been one of the more modern guys to surf it, um, and uh, kind of, I guess, more put it put it uh, more established in media and so forth. Uh, body surfing title numbers, or I'm not sure what you know how accurate that is. Um, I think that was taken a few years back, but um, close enough. Awesome, excellent. So, Mike, you've been touring Australia, and by the time everyone hears this, you would have you'd be um, back home. Tell us about your what you've been doing in Australia and 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 your your travels around. Yeah. come this way instead of going to the Eureka event which I normally attend and it was really just to get a feel for what was happening down here um, and uh, just kind of re-acquaint uh, myself with with uh, Australia I haven't been here in a few years and so I feel like I've never really had a, a good uh, chance recently to really um, you know, spend time on the coast and, and get a feel for what's happening over here in the market and, and uh, where everyone's at um, you know, I know that there's been uh, a series of things that have kind of created like a perfect storm down here in terms of uh, making the market a little bit tight and, and tough. And so I was really just trying to wrap my head around exactly what the main reasons were for that. And um, yeah, just trying to really learn about it. And so it was really just an information gathering and, 
and then on top of that, you know, just trying to, you know, share uh, what the Stoke was, is that, you know, what we all kind of gravitate to the sport for. And then, so that was the other aspect of it, I guess, is just, you know, making sure that, like, you know, people uh, that, that, you know, might be interested in re-engaging um, with bodyboarding kind of did that, you know, hopefully create a little buzz so that people would like, yeah, and, you, you know, um, doesn't matter what age you are, you can still enjoy it. And um, hopefully that, you know, re, re um, an, another catalyst to try to, um, you know, get people in the water again. Awesome. Mike, it's, um, it's Dave here. Um, I'm just going to jump in with a question myself. Um, you said you haven't been to Australia for a few years. Um, can you actually tell us about the first time you came to Australia and... Uh, like how many trips you've been here and what are the major changes you've seen within, not just within the sport, but in Australia in general since your first trip to this trip? Yeah, so the first trip I came over here, I think was 84 or 85. Uh, came over here with um, Pat Caldwell and I think Keith Tosaki. And uh, yeah, we just came over, we heard there's an international event and, and so we all came over to compete in that. As I think it was the first international event, and so there was quite a buzz. Um, you know, it was, it was you know, very humble. It's like we just, uh, you know, we heard it. I'm not sure how you know information was, but I think Pat might have told me, or I don't know if someone. Maybe I think Ben Severson was on that one too. And uh, yeah, and so anyway, we we uh, heard about it and uh, decided to come over for it, and. Um, yeah, it was a pretty classic event at, uh, at you know, this pretty small. It like, uh, it was really the best wave at uh, that size, but, you know, uh, uh, you know, we, we all went out and gave it a dig, and then, you know, it was pretty fun um, just to just to be there and, and uh, be, in, be in competing in, in, in uh, you know, international waters, I guess. So that, that that's where it started, you know, the whole international competitive scene. Um, right at right at Coronado Point, and for me, it was really it's been a real you know um, a real trip to see you know the different phases of this sport. Like I remember we first showed up, and there wasn't that many bodyboarders; it was mostly surfers back then. And then eventually, it just became it's it's changed so much over the years, right? Where there's I remember once uh, seeing you know there's there would be little patches of bodyboarders like at Coronado and then at um, you know that maybe that was it and then eventually you'd, you'd see guys out at uh uh that little spot a little bit further out from the point and, and one year it came and it was just bodyboarders from the beach all the way to shark island it was just like they're everywhere so it, it's gone through all these different um phases and uh um episodes and it's been really cool to watch and and just see you know how the sport has kind of taken hold and matured over the years so uh yeah, it's been it's been pretty awesome. I guess you know the changes in Australia have been um, similar to those elsewhere, where you know more people moving into coastal regions and and just populating um, those zones more. Um, you know, uh, more more development, more crowds, more traffic, um, and uh, so some places it's you know I see it's like uh, it's. That hasn't changed a bit, you know. It might might look exactly the same, but other places are a lot more developed and more um, just more people. So yeah, uh, yeah. So um, yeah, you know, these are the changes you see globally, not just here. So, Mike, do you keep in touch with some of all the the guys that you used to compete with back in the early days? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I, I've been in touch with uh, like I, I, I'm in touch with Pat now and Ben and Keith, all those guys are kind of putting in time on the, onto the Hawaii pro tour and they're all involved in the tour. And so, you know, I talked to them quite a bit on that level and then, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, if something happens, we'll, we'll stay in touch. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, still, still, still get in touch with each other. Um, you know, it's not like every day we talk or anything, but you know, we we're we're in touch and, um, it's kind of cool to, to, um, yeah, hang out with those guys, reminisce a lot. It's, it's fun. And, and what about Tom Morey? Do you still keep in touch with him? I do. I do. Um, 
I've been in touch with uh, um, Tom quite a bit and his family. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, you know, unfortunately Tom's doing it a little tough right now. And, uh, uh, this is probably a good opportunity to discuss. He's, we're going to try to create a crowdfund for him because, um, you know, he's not the kind of guy that would be asking for money, but he's kind of in a, in not the best, uh, financial situation right now. And, um, you know, he's got too much dignity to, uh, you know, you know, explain this and, and present this to everyone. But the poor guy is, you know, he's, uh, blind now and he is, uh, he's still creative. He's tax sharp, but he's, he's physically not as capable as he once was with, with his blindness. And, um, you know, he's, he hasn't, he's never really treated money, uh, with a lot of, um, uh, emphasis. And so he, as a result, he, you know, he's kind of not in the best financial situation right now. So I'm trying to create a crowdfund with his family, with Melinda, his daughter, and, uh, um, and we're trying to, uh, um, you know, create just a little, uh, uh, you know, a little fun for him so that he doesn't have to struggle so much. For sure. Um, We'd be, be yeah, we all owe so much. Uh, that'd be great, man. If you could, if you could do that. So, um, yeah, we'll, 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 I guess we'll, we'll kind of present the whole package once we get it more organized, but we're trying to put together like a little video and stuff and just, just of all the people that he's affected, which is, you know, millions, millions and millions. And so, um, yeah, if everyone just puts in just a little bit, you know, that's all it, it takes to really make a collective mass. Sure. And, uh, that's, that's kind of what we're, we would hope for is so that he can, he can kind of live in, in a, in a better standard. So, yeah, but, you know, to answer your question, yeah, I I am in touch with him. And, uh, um, you know, he still, still, he still talk, uh, talk shop a lot, you know, different design stuff and development. And, yeah, I love, I love, uh, I love his creative mind. Awesome. So, Mike, you, you, you're just saying that you're still in contact with some of the, uh, the pioneers from Hawaii, but I just wanted to ask you, what's the state of bodyboarding like right now in Hawaii? Uh, in the 90s, there was a lot of great riders coming out of there, and you've still got guys like Hub and a few of the other guys that we see a lot of the videos of, but but overall, what's the state of bodyboarding like in Hawaii at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Hawaii um, is doing okay, you know, it's it's um, it seems like the state is in a pretty good place, uh, you know, I don't think, um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people, uh, you know, might have a misconception about, um, pro surfing and pro sports and, and pro body in particular, like, you know, pro pro surfing kind of made its money in, in the apparel industry where they kind of marketed the sport, marketed this to the masses. And so there's a lot more money in it, you know, um, just from the clothing companies, you know, and bodyboarding, it's just the hard goods, really. You know, there is some small boutique uh, brands here and there, but there's not uh, really a ton of money in it. So the guys that are doing it are all doing it for uh, mostly for fun and as it should be. And, and you know, um, but uh, it's, you know, there's this perception, I guess, amongst uh, some people that, you know, that there's a lot of money in it and uh, a lot of, uh, um, you know, uh, that from a professional standpoint, it should be, um, that you should be getting money. Um, I totally agree that the, the level of riding is amazing. Like the athletes in the sport now are to me, like some of the best athletes that have ever been in wave riding. And so it, to me, like, I think it's, it's kind of crazy to see, um, where surfing's at and where, where bodyboarding's at. So I think, um, I think to me, like what the bodyboarders are doing in the waves, um, are pretty special compared to other wave riding. And, um, so I think that, um, you know, I think it's just a matter of time before, uh, hopefully an outside company would recognize that and say, Hey, you know, maybe they could, they could attach their, their, um, their brand to that and, and run with it and, and pay the, pay the athletes and the, and the, and the, uh, you know, make it so it's so sustainable for them and it grows for them and that they can get a good marketing hit from it so that, um, yeah, it, it, it would make sense, you know, um, yeah, so that they could actually put, you know, the events could kind of get much bigger 
and uh, then the, then the events themselves, the the pro tour events actually become profitable for the riders to compete on, rather than it being the other way around. Um, mm-hmm. Once that happens, I think you know there's going to be another resurgence in competitive bodyboarding, and I think that um, that could spur um, whole new generations that I think would be pretty cool. Because unfortunately, yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's just a lot of people that are completely. Um, I mean, you know, there's, there is obviously a certain level that you have to li- live on and, and, uh, you know, to sustain yourself in, in society. And so, uh, that, uh, level, um, you know, is tough to do if you're trying to be a pro bodyboarder. So, yeah, you know, it, it, you definitely become, you know, one of the wealthiest people on earth in terms of experience, but it's not something that you financially gain a lot from. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the big, uh, the big paradigm that I think people need to kind of wrap their head around. And, uh, until we can, you know, bring in that, 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 um, company or figure out a way to make it so that, um, the athletes can actually make a lot of money on those things. It's like the events themselves to me are like, um, they're not that, um, they're, they're not really sustainable as it is. So we've been chatting amongst the guys on the page um, and in in the general industry about how we can, as a collective group, support um, the sport and continue to make it grow. Obviously, we all love it. Um, And there's been a whole heap of different ideas around and and getting everyone together on the same page has been a bit of a a challenge. And one of the ideas that has sort of been flagged was getting – all of the different clubs to have like an international uh, bodyboarding day. So they all have it on the same day to create some awareness, some media and get some kids down there and families. Um, what do you think about that? And is, is there any other things that we could be doing that, that you think of that could help to promote the future of the sport? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the future is in the youth, the young, younger kids coming up. So I think it's um, it's important that all of the riders currently really enjoying uh, bodyboarding and wave riding uh, pass it on to the next generation and share that stoke. Um, that's kind of the first thing to happen. Like, I think if everyone does that and everyone kind of helps that next generation get exposed to it and enjoy it, that would be a huge thing. So... Um, that's a good start. Um, and then, you know, things like uh, world bodyboarding day, I think would be great. You know, all these things add to uh, the awareness and, and, um, I think that they would definitely, you know, it would be additive to the efforts needed to kind of like, you know, rise the the awareness of the whole thing. Um, you know, there's other ideas that, 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 you know, that we've had, you know, floating around in regards to like creating a, um, you know, a, a bodyboarding group. I mean, we, we started this thing called a bodyboarding collective about four months ago. I think it was right around the time after you guys did it, added collective to your vintage bodyboard page. So I registered the URL and stuff back then. And then, um, when you guys did, it it was like a natural thing that you guys were doing. So that was pretty cool. And the idea with that would be to, um, uh, just kind of unify all the brands in the market, all the, all, all, anyone that's involved in the, um, selling and, and finance or economy, the bodyboarding economy, uh, would be involved and we could all put in a small amount, a nominal amount that would, would be easy to, uh, um, uh, deal with and, uh, but would collectively add up to a, a significant amount so that the sport could be uh, properly promoted. And so the idea would be to, you know, create a small, um, like a small tax, um, on all levels of the whole, um, distribution chain and, uh, get everyone to, to put in for it, you know, and if they don't, um, then it would be known, you know, by everyone who's, who's helping a sport and who's not. And, uh, so to me, there's like no reason why, I mean, it wouldn't be such a financial burden that it would, it would be a financial, um, decision it should be such that everyone could afford it and everyone should kind of be involved and, and make the whole thing grow as a group i mean i think with the internet and the technology now and just the nature of bodyboarders i think there's an opportunity to kind of you know um create this uh put 
potent uh, collective. And that's a, kind of what's attractive to me about um, the Bodyboard Vintage page because in a way you guys are already doing it organically through Facebook, which is pretty cool. So I think it's a matter of unifying not just the participants but all aspects of the industry. Like the uh, um, the riders are one aspect of it, you know, of course, but there's also the aspect of the brand owners and the manufacturers and um, so forth. So I think that to me is like one really good opportunity to yeah. put it together. I was talking with a, a, a person in Southern California that was um, uh, trying to, you know, they're going to be able to put some time into it and make it happen. I think they would be really good at it. Um, so I'm going to see if I can't. <laughs> uh, they're probably listening to this, so hopefully they, they um, can, you know, put in some extra time and kind of help help make it happen because I think it needs to happen for sure. Cause yeah. At this point, you know, in the past, the sport has been really promoted by, uh, with financial incentive. You know, there's been certain companies that have had dominating um, presence in the market, and those companies have really put a, a lot of effort into not just promoting their brands, but also um, uh, promoting the sport and trying to grow the sport. You know, none of us is going to be any bigger unless that happens. So I think that, that should be actually a key initiative amongst everyone to try to try to look at expanding this market and uh, fulfilling Tom Mori's initial goal, which was to just bring more people um, in contact with it and to enjoy the ocean yeah, and fun. the surf wave, wave riding. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's kind of this, this, this inter intertwined um, initiative, I guess. Love it. Sounds so, good. Um, yeah. Dave, we'd better go through some of the listeners questions. Otherwise, Mike, we'll have you on here for all not, you know, interview. You yeah. Hours, yeah. So. Sorry for ranting. <laughs> You might have to edit no. this out. I, I don't know. Uh, no, I, I love it. <laughs> maybe, maybe I have the short version and the long version. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, do you want to ask well, if you... Did you want to do the first question or do you want me to jump in? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll go into it. So, and um, some of the names we may not pronounce correctly, so apologies in advance. So Anthony Troy Verges asked, Mike, you withdrew from the peer poll in 1999 and returned in 2008. And he wanted to know why. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, I think at the time I pulled out, it was um, I just didn't it just didn't feel right at the time. I mean, I was talking. Uh, I had a person that was working with me, this Harry Antipala, and he was saying, "Man, we we should just pull out and I give some other guys a crack at it and just kind of open it up." And um, uh, and you know that that was kind of it. You know, I don't know. Um, if that was a good thing or not at this point, looking back at things, um, I, I think it was probably just a matter of time before somebody else won anyway, obviously. Yeah. But, um, you know, had it, had I pulled out then would I have kept going, um, or not? I never formally, um, uh, reinstated so that they just came up with that at some point. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, that wasn't voluntary. Sure. They just did it. So they just threw me back in there at some point, but, so that was kind of weird, but um, yeah. Anyway, um, that was that's that. <laughs> cool. Cool. Oh, um, the next question's from uh, Benjamin Mark Peasley. Uh, he asks, "What's your three tips to keep performing at a world class level in your forties and now into your fifties? And he's he's got a second three, part three question. Tips. Yeah. Yeah, his second part yeah. of the question also says, "If you could redo your forties again, what would you change and why?" Okay, so uh, it was about, uh, I was about four years old right when I turned 40 and I made kind of the decision. So I guess the first thing you need to do is um, make the decision. So uh, item number one, decide what it is that you want to do with your, with your life and, and your body and where you want to go. Um, if you do decide to continue to be really active and, and um, uh, you know, really productive, in your 40s, you can accomplish that. Uh, it, it does require work, and you need to have that desire and that decision made and strongly so that you can overcome um, some of the discipline that might be associated with that. Um, it, you know, For me, it was a lot easier because I had a really supportive wife, and the nature of my business is that it kind of depends on me doing well. So I was kind of in a unique situation in my forties. You know, I have had kids, I got kids. And as everyone knows, like that's a huge 
um, time commitment and responsibility that, you know, I don't like to, I don't like to, um, uh, you know, uh, fail at, you know, or, or, or not do the best that I can do. Um, so once you commit to it, then the next thing is, um, uh, working on your, um, I guess two would be, um, creating the, the, the map or the, um, the method in which to, um, get into good peak physical fitness and health. And that basically entails, um, um, you know, good stretching in my opinion. So you want to have a good stretching routine and you want to, um, have a good, um, core, uh, workout routine to supplement your surfing if that's all you're doing physically or you know if that's mainly what you're doing physically so um that, that all, everything works in concert here so those three things just the wave riding the stretching and core workouts uh work very well together and if they're put together correctly um i think that uh you know physically you can be in a really good place um, you need to be next part of that equation is, um, diet and eating, eating good, eating according to your metabolic type and just, um, really eating good foods, um, you know, low in sugar, um, and, you know, no processed foods if you can help it, you know, uh, eliminating alcohol from your diet, um, you know, and caffeine, so stuff like that. So really, really focusing on, um, uh, your body and your mind and, uh, just kind of getting, um, you know, in peak fitness, uh, condition and everyone out there is capable of doing that, you know, no matter who they are, what they are, what, uh, you know, disabilities they might have, they can still get in better shape. So either through diet and or, uh, physical fitness and stretching and so forth. So, um, that, that, that was something I did in my forties and, um, uh, made a huge difference and, uh, you know, I, I, I sought out a really good high level trainer and, um, and got advice and got on the right track and away I went. So that was pretty key, you know, just making that initial decision that was the first step. Yeah. Well, it looks like you'll keep going to your seventies the way you're going now. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. I have no idea where I'm going. <laughs> Um, that's a good segue, actually, into Ricardo uh, Rosala's question about what your diet. What is, what is your diet? What's it based around? Yeah, so I, I follow a thing called a metabolic typing diet, and uh, there's probably even better diets than that nowadays. But it basically, I'm eating according to my metabolic type, and what it mainly means is uh, really organic foods. Um, uh, you know, eating naturally. Uh, naturally fed um, sources of creatures, you know, I don't know how else to describe that, but creatures with eyeballs. So, uh, you know, e eating, you know, if it's beef, it's cows that, you know, feed on naturally fed grass, not, you know, grain, and they're all stressed yeah. out. And the whole food system actually is in real disarray. And that's a whole other topic of conversation that, um, that people should look into. But so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to eat good, good sources of food, really good sources of food naturally. And then I eat, um, um, you know, according to my metabolic type, which is, uh, you know, a certain percentage of proteins and, and, uh, carbohydrates and, and vegetables and so forth. So, um, but in a nutshell, it's basically, you know, just, uh, eating according to how you feel and, just being really sensitive to what you're eating and, and how you feel after that. And so, um, in my case, you know, there's the, the, the food I'm eating is, is great for, um, energy and stoke. And, uh, I just feel good after, if I'm eating correctly, I, I can feel it, yeah. um, you know, physically vital and mentally alert and stoked. Basically that's kind of what, what you're shooting for. Yeah. So, you know, and the way to start that is, I guess you eliminate all the sugars, all high glycemic foods like bloated vegetables, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So, um, but yeah, you can look into it, you know, do, do a little poking around, you know, metabolic typing. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's one way to, um, 
handle the diet aspect of things. No more Maccas, um, Dave. Yeah, next question we got is from Maddie Chapman. Um, his question's back about bodyboarding again. He wanted to know, um, who back in the day, who would you consider your biggest rival? He says that, you know, you, you grew up competing against guys like uh, Ben Severson, Jay Real, Kainoa, but who did you consider uh, your uh, strongest rival at the time? Well, um, yeah, that's a good question. I guess it just depends on what time that was. Um, you know, there's a, a whole beginning period where it was probably uh, JP and Pat Caldwell. Then it was Ben Severson. Um, from Ben, it might have gone to Apple a little bit. Um, and then on to GT. Um, so it just depends. There's always, you know, there's always been different guys throughout time that, that were really good competitors and, and technically really good. And so um, it just really depends on, on what era it was. But um, uh, nowadays it's, you know, guys like Pierre and Jerry and, uh, uh, you know, the, the guys that are doing so well on the tour these days. So, um, yeah. yeah, it just depends really, you know. But, I, I, you know, the, the, the great rivalries we I had were probably with GT and Ben. Uh, you know, those two guys yeah. were probably you know different different times in my career were were probably uh you know we probably went head to head the the, the longest uh the new guys um i haven't been around there that long to to do that and um uh so that you know i'm not i'm not uh and i'm i'm probably not as competitive as as they are doing certain things so um yeah that's that's probably uh probably those two guys nice. so that was Ben and GT yeah i think so yeah Oh, cool. Um, Guan wants to know what techniques you have for surviving horror wipeouts. Um, you know, I think, um, I guess, you know, you, you, you need to know a certain amount of techniques to eating it. And you can really learn that in shore breaks. So, um, just spending a lot of time in shore break and how to fall and where to fall and you know, when I was quite young, I spent a lot of time, like basically every day after school or before school, I'd go and just spend time, you know, pulling in the closeouts and the shore break and just learning how to fall and how to move around. And and then growing up, you know, in a shallow reef in Kona, you learn how to deal with, with shallow reefs and, you know, not try not to lose a bunch of skin. And then, um, so just putting in the time like that physically, I think, uh, and technically wise is, is really helpful. Um, and then, uh, you know, if it gets big and heavy, uh, just trying to keep a certain amount of, um, calm and, uh, mental resolve. You know, you don't want to be too, uh, you don't want to try to, you know, freak out and let, uh, uh, panic kind of seep in and take over your, your emotions and your, your, um, rational thought. So I guess just trying to remain calm and, um, and, you know, if it's super heavy, trying to remain calm and, just apply all your knowledge in the best way you can. There's not much else you can do. Yeah. And how long can you hold your breath for now? Well, I haven't really been practicing the static apnea uh, much, but I would encourage anyone that that is wanting to go into bigger surf to look into this and they should probably take a course in, um, uh, you know, uh, maybe diving or, or static apnea, which is breath holding. Um, I, I, the, I did uh, a test once, uh, static apnea, and I, I, I think it was like about three and a half minutes or something. Wow. So, yeah, but it, it, it you know, when I, when it, before the test, before learning how to breathe, breathing up and, um, you know, uh, focusing on, on the techniques to try to lower your heart rate, etc. I probably could hold my breath a minute. So just by doing the proper techniques, you can really... Um, you can really uh, extend your your breath hold. So I would encourage you know people to like uh, under get into that and, and learn how to do it and apply that technique because when it's really big, um, you know that that can really come in handy if if you you know you're dealing with um, long breath holds and just just trying to keep calm under pressure and keeping your heart rate at a, at a reasonable level. Yeah, cool, incredible. Yeah, I've got another question here. It's uh, actually about the, your trip to Australia at the moment. It ties in well. Um, Troy Jameson wants to know, what are your five top Australian beaches? I know five's probably too many, so 
if you can just give us a couple of places that you uh, enjoy surfing most in Australia. Uh, beaches or zones or... Uh, oh, anyway, he's he just got beaches, but you find uh, a couple of your best waves are my favourite waves. Well, I like, I mean, uh, I probably have the longest history with and like maybe one of the best is Shark Island. I like that ride. It's really good. Um, I like Nungan. That's a pretty sick wave. Um, uh, zone area, there's, uh, that wave is fun. Uh, the sandbars up in like South Australia and D-Bar. There's so many good yeah. waves over here, you know. I like Western Australia. The box is super sick. Um, and I haven't surfed uh, south, the big ride or anything like that, but I would love to. And uh, you- so, yeah, so I mean that, that's that's you know probably the most popular spots that everyone you know the usual suspects really. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, I did, we'll just do a couple more questions and and apologies if we, we're holding you up, Mike. We've got like thirty no or forty questions, so but we won't we won't go through all of them. Um. Do you have a favorite um, board? So sort of pre-science, old, you know, going back into the 80s and 90s, is there a favorite board? And also I've, I've got a question from, um, I can't remember who it was now, but wanted to know if if we'll ever see a science Mike Stewart launch vehicle in the future. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess the, 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 the one of the, you know, I had a, a number of really special boards to me, I guess, over time. Um, my first board, obviously, was, was epic because it just kind of, like, brought me into, um, you know, into riding on a bodyboard. It really, like, full-on. Like, prior to that, I had I was bodyboarding and surfing a little bit on surfboards. And, you know, we used to take whatever, we'd go to the beach and, and work. So that, that first board was just such a huge shift in what everything was that was available. So that was kind of the first, you know, that was probably my favorite board. Um, uh, just because it was so much cooler than what everything else we did. It was a kit board my dad made for me. And from there, I rode that, that board until it basically broke in half and it probably weighed about 30 pounds full of water and you squeeze it and it squirt water out of it. It was so waterlogged because it would just be in the water every day, all day, um, that it could be, you know. And then uh, I went to work for Tom Mori in the late 80s or late 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 seventies and early eighties. And, uh, I made a board there that actually worked really, really good. Um, it was a, um, it was a, like an EVA shaped board, which is on its, uh, by itself is just way too soft. It's just super soft and spongy. But what I did is Tommy encouraged me to glue on a piece of plywood. So I shaped a piece of plywood and, and, uh, um, did some things to it to make it, uh, fit the board correctly that the the um, foam and then I glassed it with this castable urethane that was pretty cool um, but very very caustic and cancerous um, so that was kind of a drag uh, this board was incredible it was uh, it had a harder bottom but it was slick um, and this is this is years before slick bottoms and so it had this hard slick bottom on it and um then the top deck was pretty soft and it was pretty flexible wow. bend but just the speed difference and the performance difference in that board was such a shift from what i had been doing and riding so that was so soft like you look back on it it's basically just barely a planing surface so it was like body surfing with a little piece of you know flexible mat under you and once i went to this other board it it actually, you know, you start getting projection and, and you can go out in the flats and turn. And so it did all these things that um, the other board didn't do and could do. So that was, that shift was so significant and it was such a big um, uh, developmental thing for me. Um, that was probably my my next favorite board as far as like shift in performance. And and then, you know, you go through life and you'll, you'll come across one or two magic boards that basically are, it's just like an extension of what you're thinking. And, um, you know, and, and in contests you could, you know, I remember a board I had on the national tour in, in the mainland that worked so good. I just, the thing would, I, I don't know how many years I, I milked it for, but I think it was like two or three and the thing was just like unbeatable. Wow. And so, uh, you know, you, you'll get a board like that, um, 
that that the flex is perfect works in perfect conjunction with the shape and the template and everything's like works um for the conditions you're writing so it's it's not easy to find that um but nowadays man that the stuff is pretty darn good and we got it pretty refined so equipment is like i can jump on a board now and get a lot out of the board that i would in in, in those types of boards where you know you just feel like okay this thing is pretty much in sync you know and so yeah i just spent so much time dealing with uh templates and shapes and refining this that and the other thing and just getting it so fine-tuned it's like it's pretty it's pretty figured out at this point you know um and so the, the equipment nowadays is is pretty damn good and pretty refined and the, and the quality is so much better than it used to be so production quality is just like it's pretty damn good um anyway yeah so that's yeah, cool. Um, and and what about a because uh, uh, obviously everyone's got a soft spot for the launch vehicle because I think at the time it was so different to anything else that came out. Some people love them, some people didn't like them. But there's there's clearly on the on the yeah, BBC page, you know, the concept behind it I think was really cool, yeah. and uh, the execution was difficult and not perfect. So unfortunately, they kind of missed the mark on the production of it, and um had they done it right i think it, it would have been um it would have been really really cool a lot better than it actually was um yeah. it was a big shift in what was being done yeah and um uh but it had there was a long way to go as far as it reaching its 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 intended result um you know it came out uh the way that i think the the um the way the mold worked, I think it came out a little shorter than it was supposed to, and so that the board ended up thicker for some reason, and it just like right. just hit with a, a slew of issues. And so, um, yeah, what while the concept was there, I think the execution was a little off. Yeah. Well, sorry to butt in. I was just going to say, I remember back in about '96 when you wrote Jaws, and there was a magazine article that came out. You were going to start writing a. a, a Variant of the launch vehicle. It was about forty-five, forty-six inches, much thinner with plywood in there. Did that ever? Did yeah. you ever uh, perfect that, or did yeah, is that something that was, you going uh, to work on? Well, it was it was kind of a conceptual board, and um, yeah, it 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 didn't that particular prototype didn't pan out quite how I wanted it to. Um, actually, Laird is a guy that kind of helped me understand, like, hey, you know, you should try to go a little bit maybe try to go really narrow and a little bit longer. And so I tried that and, um, uh, it, it, what I, what the boards that I actually made were a bit too stiff. And so they didn't, they didn't work quite how I wanted it to work. Um, uh, but I think, uh, if I redid it now, I think I could nail it with, uh, the, the current technology that we have. So, um, yeah, that board of jaws, you know, it's kind of interesting because it, it was the same board that I rode at like two foot off the wall, like a week prior to that swell. And, um, you know, it worked good at two foot off the wall. And I think there's even like a funky picture of it published in a uh, riptide about like doing some sort of flip variation. And, um, yeah. and so I took it out to jaws just because it's what I had and it, yeah. it worked okay there too, you know, and we could bottom turn on a 25 foot wave. So wow. it, it, it really just kind of, you know, show the, the versatility of, of a bodyboard. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you know, is that the perfect board for both of those conditions? Probably not, you know. Um, but it, it works. Awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, one, sorry, Dave, one, one last question from my end, and then we'll... Um, let you go, Mike. So, Jason Connell, I promised Jason I'd ask you this question. Jason wanted to know what your favorite music is. Oh, man. It just depends on what, what my mood is in. You know, I'll listen to, yeah, some, some. you know, I like, uh, you know, just about everything nowadays, you know. And I'm even, I'm even warming up to country because my daughter's getting into horses. So, I'm like, <laughs> I'm basically listening to everything. It just really depends on my mood and what, yeah. what, uh, you know, I can go from classic to like punk rock to like heavy metal to, you know, whatever. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty, I like to be open-minded and, and try to appreciate, um, different aspects of, of, 
know, different different music. You know, certain music I, I probably appreciate more than others. Um, but uh, I, I can, if it's good, good music and it's, it's uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, you can have good music in a bunch of different uh, genres. So, um, do you use yeah, music to pump yourself up? Oh, sorry, Mike. I was just going to say, do you What's use that? music ever to pump yourself up before, sir? Yeah, some guys um, to get you know, not not yeah, not really. I mean, I use. I mean, music is actually a quite powerful thing. Um, you know, this it's pretty cool. You know, this uh, it's sound waves basically. You know, and it's you're coming in contact with this energy, and it kind of it can transform you because it taps into psychological, um, you know, uh, aspects of your of your psyche, and so you 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 can get psyched up on this stuff for sure. For me, I don't like using. Um, I, I I like music for kind of um, maybe being more mellow. Like if I'm stretching, I like to listen to a particular thing. Um, and then if I'm doing a workout, I might need more energy. Um, if I'm, you know, um, but for surfing uh, in, you know, something that I've experimented with in the past, like in the early nineties and, and uh, was, uh, you know, listening to, and, and even the eighties, I guess, in the 80s was listening to music in the water and stuff like that and i don't like that i like to keep i like to keep the experience pure to, to the surfing um i don't like to drift off into um uh where the music is taking sure. you i like the ocean to do that so yeah um even before heats like i've done that before and it's had bad results so i i kind of try to you know before heats and before i surf i just like to just you know tune in and kind of get grounded into what uh you know what's around me and then just dissolve into the lineup rather than you know take a different energy and and uh um uh song into into it yeah awesome cool dave did you have any other last question before we I want to the time. just one question there was one guy on here or oh, actually it's a joint sort of question i don't want to take up too much more of your time mike but it was a question from our New Zealand brothers across the ditch here. They've just asked you, they want to know, firstly, uh, have you ever surfed in New Zealand or uh, would you ever intend to go over there? And secondly, um, like cold water surf, um, is it something that you like to do or is it, uh, and where's one of the best cold water spots that you've surfed? Yeah, so uh, first question, New Zealand. Yes, definitely, I'd love to go there. I haven't been there yet. I haven't spent time there, but I plan on doing that and maybe as early as this year. Um, uh, you know, we've already talked about potentially going down there um, and, uh, you know, maybe later on uh, this year. Um, and then uh, cold water spots. Uh, you know, I surfed Alaska and I surfed, um, like, the Great Lakes. I surfed... Uh, Ireland so um, you know those are all pretty cold spots I guess uh, you know Great Lake or Alaska probably I surfed in front of this glacier that was probably as cold as I've surfed you know with the hoodie and gloves and booties and stuff but that was pretty cold um, and you know at the time it's yeah I don't, I, that was probably like a five mil or something it was pretty thick and yeah, you know, it's 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 kind of a drag to put on the the, the full suit and stuff, but it's really cool to get in the water, you know, no matter yeah. what. And in hindsight, you know, you look at these sessions, and at the time, they might be a little, you know, difficult to kind of change into your suit and deal with, dealing with that part of it. But in hindsight, I look back to those experiences, and they're great. So um, I I don't I don't mind it one bit. I, I kind of like it actually. Um, so yeah, I've had I've had really fun surfs in, in cold waters, and uh, uh, usually it's less crowded too. Yeah, and I suppose as long as you keep all your fingers and your toes, it's been a good session. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Awesome, Mike. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really great to get some insight and uh, about you as a person and to answer some of the questions from the guys on the page. Everyone's loved your visit. Uh, in Australia um, there's, there's been so much talk and so many people have got their photos of you all over the VBC page and um, we really appreciate love to have you back anytime and um, yeah just thanks mate thank you so much yeah oh, thanks so much
Thanks, Mike. Go. It's oh, like stoked. you've got all the guys stoked again. It's like uh, you're looking back on the page and we're seeing guys that saw you in 93 on the Moray uh, coaching clinics when you were out here and now they're reposting photos again. It's like uh, it's just a big circle, circle of body oh, water. Awesome. Yeah. Well, if I can encourage if I can encourage people to get back into the ocean and have some fun, you know, with with their kids and and their friends, then mission accomplished, man. I'm stoked. Yeah, your timing's been perfect because we're getting obviously the page has been going good and everyone, the whole retro thing of everyone getting back into what they were doing previously, and now you coming out, everyone's just loving it. They're just just really getting oh, cool. back into it. So it's been absolute perfect timing. Great. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much. All right, you guys, take it easy, and thanks for your efforts in the sport. And, uh, yeah, let's stay in touch. Thanks for listening to Vintage Bodyboarding Radio. Be sure to join in the conversation on the Vintage Bodyboard Collectors Facebook page.